Welcome back guys, another episode here, trying to stay relevant, trying to stay with you guys, trying to make things happen around here. As always, I got my buddy Nate here with me, um, the founder of, of Minnesota Left Handers, um, just, uh, just an all-around great guy. What do you got for us today, Nate? Well, Brett, it's a great day for a ball game. In fact, let's play two. I am just jazzed for today's episode. <laughs> yes, yes, jazzed. Um, we've got, we've got a, a lot on the set list today, but before we get there, um, we have an event coming up, up on uh, September 17th. You want to tell us about that? Well, um, it's, it's going to be big. It's, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Um, so we got a, we got a, a four, four ball, um, or a, a four team best ball or a four person best ball, uh, tournament coming up. Well, September. you had it right the first time. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. <laughs> September 17th, uh, Whispering Pines, Annandale. We're going to have all sorts of fun games going on, all the proxy games that uh, you see at these kind of tournaments. Um, might throw in a few other things. 140 bucks per team um, gets you in. We're going to pay out first, second, and have a random draw for third place. Um, bring a left-hander, pair up with the righty. We're not discriminating. We're here for everyone, anyone and everyone that wants to golf. It's going to be great. Um what else you got to say about it, Nate? Um, it's it's the first of, of many. Uh, I think this was this is kind of our inaugural event, but I will be in touch with a lot of simulators throughout the course of the winter. Here, we'll have hopefully two, maybe three over the winter, shooting for two, and then one in the spring at least, and then off to the Super Bowl of the summer, the state lefty. Uh, so just this, the more that, that we can get the word out about this, the, the better off we are. And I think the better off the golf community is. I mean, our, given our whole goal is to um, bring people together with a certain proclivity for the lefty golfer. I can't wait, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and I mean, September golf. I'm not a big winter fan, but I think September golf is some of the best golf. And I know what comes after September. We're heading into winter, you know, spring. Everything's blooming. We had good months coming. But September golf is pretty great. It is going to be good, my friend. Going to be good. There is a lot happening right now in the world of golf. Um, you know, more than just the rounds that I play or the rounds that you play. Which we are actually going to get to because you and I both played in the last this past weekend. So um, we'll get to that. But before I can't we do, wait. The, <laughs> there there was a meeting. Um, in fact, our, our last episode was was titled "Flannels and Nissans" or or something to that effect. And um, it was about Tiger Woods coming to town, coming to the B, the BMW Championship last Tuesday for a meeting with the top twenty or so players in the world at the time. That's what we knew was top 20 or so players in the world. Um, you know, and, and we're going to, they're going to have a conversation about what to do about this whole live deal. And, uh, <clears throat> details have sort of come out since then. It sounds like, and this is this, some of this is per, per no lineup. They were kind of the first ones to, you know, break this news. Um, but it sounds like there were 22 players, um, you know, anyone you can name off the top of your head was there. You know what I mean? Um, aside from Cam Smith 
and I'm looking for a little bit of your reaction here. We knew Cam Smith maybe wouldn't be there because he's kind of been rumored. Hideki Matsuyama, no Sung J M, and no Tommy Fleetwood. That's weird. <laughs> what do you think that's saying? I mean, <laughs> it's they're gone. Like, <laughs> I, you would think, right? You would think. The PGA um, knows. I'm torn. I'm torn on that. I think we have a pretty good idea that Cam Smith is gone, but those other three, it's interesting, you know. Um, and so, kind of what what came of this, and this is from an article in uh, SI from Bob Herrig, their their consistent you know golf writer, who wrote that uh, he cited the Fire Pit Collective, who who also kind of release some information that this is looking like a tour within a tour type situation. It sounds to me like there might be 18 or so um, elevated events where the purse is going to be about $20 million and it's only going to be for the top 60 players in the world. So you're really going to highlight the elite players, which is good because right now ratings are tanking and, um, the the top 60 aren't together enough. I think the top 60 are only only together roughly 12 times a year, 12 to 15 times a year, and that includes majors. Now they're going to be together 18 times a year. And on that too, so they're talking in the in these articles from the the two sources that supposedly you know release this information to some of these some of these people that are breaking the news. But you know, in the SI article here, the Sports Illustrated article here, they're talking um, so. They're going to get away from the nonprofit organization, which is going to be able to bring in bigger companies and stuff like that to to to, to bring in this money for these guys, so they can start having these bigger purses and you know start competing with. I wouldn't really say competing, but you know starting to creep towards these this the Saudi the Saudi money of the of the, of the live tour. So another thing too is is with. With the sixty players that you had mentioned, all playing for these, you know, these eighteen tournaments that are are sixty people um, for twenty million dollar purses. Another thing about that is too, there's no more cut, so all all these guys are, will be able to play through through Sunday if, if this all all happens and stuff. You know, obviously this is just hearsay, and you know, the the meeting of the the guys that hold the PGA Tour together. Um, you know, and, and and making sure Ricky Fowler was a part of that too. But yeah, the, these are the ideas that because <laughs> he's elite. You know, they, 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 those are the guys that were in these meetings trying to trying to come up and bounce these ideas with it. But yeah, I, I had heard of of taking away the whole nonprofit to to really bring in some money towards this too, and that was that was one of their ideas of doing it. And that is something I read, and I don't understand. I know that at, by design right now they're a, they're a nonprofit and an article I read actually I think it, bringing up another article here I read I read another story from Outkick, um, which is Clay Travis's com, uh, organization I think um, he he said that or he, I don't know it was him but whoever authored the article uh, talked about how when they go to a for profit um, design a for pro, a for profit model. They can bring in more sponsors, and I don't understand why they couldn't do that now, but they apparently can do that when they're a for-profit company. Like so, I mean, if maybe if we look at 
the tournament in Blaine, you know, the one that you and I were at, uh, also actually is in fact on your hat right now. Um, 3M sponsors, but, but who's to say that, you know, Target doesn't want to get involved or I think Medtronic is a Minnesota company. You know, I, there's these, these bigger Minnesota companies that might want to get involved. And I don't understand why they can't now, to be honest with you, um, why they'd have to wait for that. But that was kind of part of the deal is that they would have to, you know, if until it became a for-profit organization, um, that those other ones couldn't get involved. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch this whole thing develop because right now what's tricky is how many PGA Tour members are there? It's over 200. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're having to keep 200 people happy. But why should they have to worry about keeping, you know, Austin Smotherman happy? Why should they have to... I mean, he's just a guy who just wants... And I'm not saying that he's not great and doesn't deserve, you know, where he's at and the opportunity and everything. But the reality is you, me, your neighbor, anyone you see on the street... Wants to watch John Rom. Yeah, he's not bringing in the viewers. Yeah, they got to work on ratings. They got to work on a reason to to stay with the PGA Tour, and they have to by doing that, they have to work on the purse and getting these guys on the same course at the same time more often. Absolutely, and and there was another thing too. I was I was just kind of skimming through this article too, trying to find it, but when they were talking about going from a Nonprofit to uh, I guess you'd say a for-profit uh, a business that that turns contracts into play for these players too to keep them from doing things like going out to the live and it, you know it puts them under contract. I, I I'm assuming kind of like an NFL standpoint where these guys okay you signed a contract with us you're not leaving to go play for the XFL you're here with us this is we're paying you to be a part a part of what we got going on so that actually makes a ton of sense. And it actually leads me to maybe the the biggest question I was left after hearing that these 22 people were in this meeting. Does this mean that these 22 have, to use John Rahm's language, pledged their fealty to, to the PGA Tour? We're not going to see these 22 guys skip out to live, right? I would hope. Like, what if they do, though, like, they're just a rat. Now they're just a rat. Now they get to go to live and go, here's what was said in that meeting. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I would hope that these 22 guys are committed and in on this model, this new plan. Right. And here, here's another thing, too. So think about, and this is just throwing another perspective at you here. Think about what these guys going to the live tour is doing for the guys that stayed in the PGA Tour. DeChambeau, you know, the, 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 the big names that are, that are leaving to go over there, Cameron Smith, uh, Phil Mickelson, you know, these guys could instantly turn around and look at these guys and go, okay, you got 22 of the top PGA Tour guys, the top names, not the top golfers, <laughs> Ricky followers there, <laughs> meeting up in a room <laughs> and, and discussing and talking about, oh, hey, guess what, guys? Now we're going to be playing for $20 million instead of 2.1, 2.7, or whatever, you know, Zalatoris won at the last one. It's these guys left, and now you guys are making more money. Okay, these guys did, you know, they made this leap, and they're making more money, and they're doing this stuff. But I, this is just kind of a weird way to look at it, or a different way to look at it. But 
those guys leaving and taking these jump these leaps of, of, of faith for, for the money you know the money is creating more opportunity to wealth for all these guys that are staying in the PGA tour, tour, tournament because had this never happened they'd still be playing for their million dollar purses every weekend right and and the ones who who left are sort of the sacrificial lamp we needed you to go so that we could learn and figure out what's going to be better and sort of redo this because we don't know what the live tour is going to look like in the next year. I mean, it sounds like they these guys are going to have to play Asian tour events, which they didn't want to do. I can't imagine they wanted to, you know, they thought they were going to play eight live events and get to spend more time with their families. Now they have to play Asian tour events? They didn't sign up for that. I can't believe that, you know, 12, 18 months from now, they're going to look at this, or we as the fans are going to look at this and go, yeah, they made the right choice. You know what I mean? It just feels oh, yeah. like the PGA Tour. This is a bump in the road and, and could be a, a a pretty large pothole in the road if they're not careful. Um, but it it could easily just be a bump in the road as we look back maybe in a year, year and a half. And we're going to have a lot. I mean, we're going to have so much over the course of the, you know, the next three, six, maybe even year. To There's going to be so much live so much live golf new headlines that are going to be made here in the next you know while here so i i, I imagine we're going to have a lot more com- conversations about this but in in our little episode list here you got a bmw and nostradam us what tell me about that what is that you sent that to me. I threw let's, it up. Nostradamus. Oh, doim, doimus, doim, doimer, Nate doimer. Got it though. For this reason, Nostradamus, obviously the whole predicting the future thing. You asked me on Thursday night when we did our last podcast to make a prediction, and I didn't want to predict the winner because <laughs> wanted me to go with. Right I was thinking was about that too, right after the um, second thought, day. No, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not going down the road of winner because I never would have picked Cantley. But I did say, how about this? Tegan Bradley does not top 10. Because remember, he was leading after day one. Yeah, you got it. Do you, do you know where he finished? Because I do. Uh, 25th? T58. Ah. T58. He was three over. He was like, he was something like eight under after day one. I think he shot like eight under. He finished plus three. He shot like 64 and then like 76, 75, 76. Or something. Like it was, he's imploded. He imploded. And so I like to think of myself as, you know, someone who can see in the future. And, no, and Sardoma. You know, on short self. <laughs> that was on good. On short self. Um, but, English um, teacher, people. English teacher. Right. No, I, I, I would never have predicted Cantley. Not that the guy isn't a star or whatever. He's just he doesn't move the needle for me. Like personality wise, flashy golf wise, he just doesn't do it for me. Um it, but it, it sounds like it was a good tournament, it sounds like it was an interesting course. You know, I I don't know. I don't I, I and yeah, this might be for another podcast, and I don't know if I'm overstepping my boundaries here, or if this is like something I really shouldn't say aloud. But of a, there might be like a a top ten least good looking guys in the PGA. 
And Cantley is, is top <laughs> Does Cantley make that list? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. In that list. Although I will say also. You know, if we if ever you, grow this and this gets big, whole, I can't, I can't, I, I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, I'm not saying, but it's, man. I'm that's sure coming you, back to haunt you. I'm sure you got it really attractive. Calling, calling Cantley <laughs> ugly is going to come back I to haunt hey, you. Hey, those are your words, not mine, pal. Your words. have you ever looked at like if you go into any given week right 3m championship week rocket march like it doesn't matter whatever week you go to you go into the 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 website that you find that field and it has all their like tour headshots in a circle and all their names golfers are an ugly bunch man they are yeah (laughs) yeah but like that's true. I mean, absolutely. I look like Shrek. But the point is, these guys—they have the worst tan lines, obviously, <laughs> ever. Like, and they just look like a bunch of buffoons. Like, it's 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 entertaining. It's worth it's worth a look it's someday when you when you are digging up tournament info for you know as pre prep for our podcast here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so that's what I have on the on the BMW Championship. I did not watch more than. I saw I saw Patrick Cantlay swing the club once. That was it. That was it because I dove deep. I took a deep dive into the U.S. Amateur Championship, the U.S. Amateur Championship match on Sunday. It was riveting. All right, uh, so hold on, hold on, back up here. So we got Tour Championship week, and we got the U.S. Amateur wrap up. Are these kind of blending oh, together here, or are we we're flip flopping? Let's do let's do a little flip flop. Sorry, I I I got messed up. I I I thought I had a nice little segue there. Turns out I I, I don't. I'm not I'm not a pro. We don't have to do them in order. I mean, we just gotta we just gotta hit them all. That's, just, that's a loose guide. It's like the speed limit um, of, of what, what we need to do. The U.S. Amateur though came down to two college kids, two 22 year old college kids. Um, and the, the, the championship match on Sunday is 36 holes. It's a 36-hole match. This is a long day. They had played nine rounds in seven days, which is just – that's a grind. That's grueling right there. That's a dream come um, true for Nate. It is. It sounds about right. Um, you know, I think it was Harry Varden who once said, I try not to play too much golf. 36 holes a day are plenty. Um, so that I kind of subscribe to that. Uh, but these guys, when I turned it on, and I turned it on at the beginning of coverage because coverage is terrible, the, the broadcast coverage, it's terrible. They, I turned it on right when they started, and these guys were on the 21st hole. So, like, we missed the first 18 and the first three holes of the, of the last, the second 18. And Ben Carr was his name. I think he was four down at that point. And you start to look at this and go, holy cow, like he's, it's, it's kind of already over. Like it's not, how do you win four holes back? Well, soon after that, it got to five down. Um, and I think I actually sent a screenshot um, of the eight of the holes there. Do you, do you have those? Um, yes, yes, I do. Hang tight with me here. Because it was. It was kind of a drubbing for a little while there until holes 20, 
You're talking Bennett and Carr, right? Bennett and Carr, yeah, because it was it was Sam Bennett uh, from Texas A and M and Ben Carr. Do you want the one through eighteen, or do you want the twenty through? No, yeah, like nineteen through thirty-six. Yep, yep. So, um. I want to say it was like holes 22, 23, 24 that Ben Carr like won a couple holes in a row. I think he won two of three holes or three or four holes right in there. A uh, couple of couple of long putts, couple of chip ins that that really made a difference. And and Sam Bennett, he didn't get out of a bunker at one point. And then you get up toward like they were in around hole 27, 28, 29, and Sam Bennett came up short on a shot. It was, it was very much twice, two times in a row. It was very much like Zelatoris and Sepp Straka, where it was like one guy hit a terrible shot. Right, um, one of the holes, Sam Bennett went out of bounds from like two from two fifty on a par five. So all Carr has to do is like he's gonna win the hole if he puts a seven iron up there and hits a wedge in. Right. Well, he took a three wood. And hooked it out of bounds. Just like just like I was saying, Seth Straka did. Knowing what the guy before you did, he screwed it up. Why would you not lay up? But he didn't. He he roped it out of bounds uh, and, and ended up tying that hole. And it's just like, that's kind of what I really like about amateur golf, watch, watching the amateur championship. Because, you know... Rory, if he's in that spot, he's he's not gonna do that. He's gonna he's gonna play the seven iron, or he's gonna take the extra club to not put it in the water. He's gonna you know do the thing that a pro golfer should. But I just like watching the amateurs because you could tell that the pressure was there, the adrenaline was there, and it's like you and me when we feel like the things are going well, you know. Absolutely. You know, it, I, I, I can't talk too much about the amateur stuff because I, I don't follow it a lot like you do. Um, you know, outside of our podcast and stuff like that, me and Nate are always bonks and stuff off, off us. And it, and it seems like it's a little bit more one-sided than the other. But Nate's like, oh, hey, did you see this? Did you see this? And and honestly, that's 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 one thing that's awesome about you is I, I, I'm learning a lot more about the game of golf outside of just me playing it. Um, and, and watching a lot of this stuff right here. Cause you know, you talk to, you talk about this Bennett car is kind of like a, it's a skins thing, right? A skins, a skins, uh, tournament type deal. But just like a match, it, it's match play. Match play. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you, you talk nine hole, 19, 20, 21, 22. He's, he's gaining a stroke every hole, uh, 22. Yeah. All of a sudden he, he plateaus and he loses a stroke on 23. And then 24, 25, 26, 27, it's even, 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 even. And then all of a sudden he's starting to give up. 28, 29, loses one stroke. 30, he gains one back. 31, stays the same. 32, 33, 34, uh, starts dropping one stroke. And then 35, drops a stroke. So it's... Yeah, so... Go ahead. I think right there, that would have been hole 17... Bennett was up two. He had about a 10-foot putt. And really seriously, Ben Carr made the greatest sand up and down probably of his life. 
because it and it wasn't that it was extremely tricky although it was a, a steep the, the the bunker was steep he could see the flag you know what i mean like he couldn't he couldn't even see the stick it was so high above his feet it was so by the the elevation was so high that all he could see was the flag he put it up there didn't get as much as he wanted and uh got up for the putt he probably had 12 feet because he was up he was up again just drains the putt and Bennett, if he win, if he makes it, he wins the championship. But you put that kind of pressure on a guy, and he missed. And so then we're back to one down, going to the 18th hole. And for a guy to be five down and get it to the 18th hole is an incredible feat. It just is. It was it was so much fun to watch. And then Bennett, I mean, he kind of had Carr on the ropes. Carr had to win that hole to extend the match, and you know to get it back to even at the end of 36 there. And he just too much pressure and whatever, but Bennett ended up winning the hole and, and winning, I think two and one. Uh, but kind of the, the point is watching Ben Carr come back like that. It's, it's some great golf, but at the same time, so much of it reminds me of, of me, just the mistakes that they still continue to make, which is why I like watching it more than I like watching um, pro golf. And to that point, I'll ask you this question as we wrap up our amateur, our, our USM. Is there, uh, call it, you know, the, the main sports that we know and that we watch. So we'll include golf. It's not one of the big four, but we'll include it. Is there an amateur sport, is there a pro sport that is distinctly better than the amateur sport? Or is the amateur sport better than all of the pro versions? I don't know. I mean, you got no amateur football. I mean, you're you gonna well, call amateur college football, football college? Yeah, I mean, college football yeah. is is pretty. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty great. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you talk about my Iowa Wild. I love watching them every time I can. I get a chance to to watch some of our prospects grow and stuff like that. What are the St. Paul Saints mm-hmm. for the Twins here? Or I, don't, I don't know what their minor. I don't know how the farm leagues work in baseball. Not not a big uh, knowledgeable baseball guy. That would have been my my sport though. If I had to say, pro baseball is probably better than amateur baseball, like for my taste. But like you look at college basketball and look at what March Madness is, you know, like it's huge. Um, College football has an unreal following. Uh, you don't have fantasy football in college football, obviously, and that kind of takes the NFL to another level. But in many sports, the amateur game is just as good, if not better, than the than the pro game. And that, and I would say that holds true. My only point was saying that that holds true for for golf for me as well. Yeah, I mean, especially with how much knowledge you bring on us. So you had another picture that you sent me with uh, the 122nd uh, U.S. Amateur, uh, what the champion receives. You want to tell me about that? I don't have that in front of me. It sounds like maybe you do. Yes. You... So, what happens for the champion and the, and the, the two who make the, the finals? What do they get? So I'll I'll just I'll read through the the picture that you shared with me here, and then you can kind of elaborate on it. But they get you know a gold medal, custody of the Have Mayor Trophy for one year. Exemption yeah, the winner the, gets that. Okay, the exemption from qualifying for the next ten U.S. amateurs, which is awesome. It seems like a little bit of pressure relief. 
Um, exemption yeah. into the 2023 U.S. Open at the Los Angeles Country Club. Yeah, so the next year's U.S. Open. So you're just in as a as if in if you're in that championship match. I think I think it's if you're in that championship match, you're just in, which is, I mean, the 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 try or the the qualifying that it takes to get there, is is grueling, um, you know, to to get through all the sectional qualifying and all the regional and stuff, and so to just get there is is a pretty cool deal. Next thing, a likely invitation into the 2023 Masters Tournament. Now, that's got an asterisk bit by it, and, and let me guess why. Because these guys, even if they win, they don't actually get it unless they're PGA Tour qualified. Or Correct, right? Am I onto something there? No, there's, they still, they're still amateurs that play in the Masters. Right, but um, they can't technically win the Masters, right? Oh, I think they could. Okay. They well, they likely won't. <laughs> oh, right, right. But they but they could. I wonder if that one is has an asterisk just because it's not both of them. Where the U.S. Open is both of them because they made it to that final match. They both get exemption into that. Where the Masters is likely just the winner, like okay. the actual amateur champion. If that makes sense. Yes, yes, it does. Now. I mean, Definitely cool. Um, and then the last thing, exemption into the 2023 Open Championship. Oh, the the what used to be called the British Open, but we don't do that now. It's the Open Championship. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's. It, I just I can't imagine what that would be like as an amateur to live out that that dream, you know, would be pretty, pretty, uh, I, yeah, it's just, there's so much behind everything. And like who gets to play, which championships, who gets in, how you get in. It's just, I, I can't keep track of it all. Honestly. I, I just, it's, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, I, I need, I need those graphics constantly to uh to keep up with with what everyone gets you know and what exemptions go where and who is qualified for what tournaments but um you know i think we forgot i think we have to backtrack to the bmw for just a moment Mm -hmm. um because there's a there's a hot mic moment that we definitely need to talk about uh we know there's a couple of speed Jordan Spieth and, and his caddy Michael Greller are are known for sort of their, their back and forth. Some of the their thoughts, some of their how they how they process and how they decide on a shot. They've been caught in a lot of high, hot mic moments in their in their past, and uh, if it happened again at the BMW. Do you do you want to play that clip? I do. I got it up here. So. Um, yeah, the the clips of of Jordan Spieth and Michael Greller, right? Greller. Yep. Yep. They're they're having this conversation, and and as always, Spieth, you know, got got a lot on his mind behind every shot here, and he just kind of walks walks through it and says what says what he's thinking, and and the caddy's just doing uh, what caddies do here. I mean, this is the same as that where I was in yesterday. 
So if I strike it well, it gets up. It's on the green. Yeah, I know. What's wrong with hitting right here, having a wedge to 15 feet? Because I think that if I prioritize getting it up and it comes out either fat or doesn't quite and it kind of hits the grass, the chances of it going... So he does say there, me hitting it fat, okay? I just want to point that out really quick before before we get towards the end here. Up into that water, so slim, like it would be short, and then I would hit the same wedge shot 20 feet right. But I think I can get it up and out, and or I could hit a nine to the right, but I still think going long is better. I'm just trying to hit it really high. So the the conversation goes on for for a little bit here, and Spieth just keeps on trying to, you know, talk himself into the shot to where Griller just looks at. It. I mean, he's just like, all right, you know, do do what you got to do, and, and then now here's the shot. I've never heard a caddy try and talk his player every which way possible out of hitting this shot, and he heard Jordan say it's on him. Why nope. does Griller oh, even no, try? <laughs> and he says he fatted it. He's floating. It's got to get up. That was the, that was the shot. I love that. that. That's the best. And and he even says like even if I fat it, I'm still. You know what I mean? And then he he hits it, and the immediate thing out of his mouth, the immediate is, oh, I fatted it. I fatted it. It's just. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Well, Excuses are good. Only for the people that are making them. Sound good only for the people that are making them. Yeah, and it was like Greller said, like this this sounds like a fun Tuesday, Wednesday shot. Just to just to try it out, just to see. You know? Not a good Saturday shot. I think he was two back or something at that point. I think he was Maybe he was two under for the day, and he was four back. Like he was, he was on the climb. Like he was moving toward the leaders, and that just set off a bad mojo, kind of at that point. And I mean, he did say like, "This one's on me," you know what I mean? And he had a good laugh after it too, which is which is good. So yeah, like I think he, I think he understood. But it's like, it's amazing what these caddies know and how they how they pull off some of these things. Uh, because they, they seem to know that their insight is just different. They see the course differently. They see the game differently than the player does. And ultimately it does fall on the player's shoulders because even if, even if he does give them, you know, the correct advice, but Speed's miss hits it, that doesn't mean it's Greller's fault. You know what I mean? So, uh, it, it ultimately it falls on the player and Speed seems to know that he goes, look, this one's on me. If I screw it up. All right. Go for it then. I trust you. You could just see like I could just imagine hearing like the Morgan Freeman voice in the background. He did not trust the player. You know, <laughs> you could just because that's kind of what it was. Like, okay, I trust you. Not really. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You tried so hard to talk him out of it. Alright, now before we continue any further and jump onto the next topic here, we gotta take a quick break. Running out of time here. Um I'll throw up just a set list here while we uh Take a quick break, and um, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about I, I, one of the things I'm most excited about is, is our recent round because I, I had a pretty unbelievable shot that even my jaw hit the hit the hit the green. So it was uh, it was pretty exciting. So let's take a quick break. Yeah, and I played. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and I, I played uh, Little Crow out in Spicer on Saturday. So 
Um, you and I both have a couple of things we could we could chat about with our individual routes. All right, we'll be right back, guys. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, sorry about the longer break there. Just uh, figuring some things out here. But we're back. We're here. Um, we got a couple more things to talk about. But I want to jump into first our rounds, dude. Tell me a little, a little bit about uh, uh, Little Crow. Yeah, Little Crow. Uh, out in Spicer, where it's nicer, I'm told. Uh, that's what they. That's what they say, the people. Um, the people who talk, they say that. That's what I'm told, at least. Uh, 27 holes. It is is a. It became a, a golf resort 
which is kind of a cool thing. They, there's a hotel, you know, it's a it's a whole stay and play. They do packages, all that. They've got the willows, the pines, and the oaks course. I think the oaks course was an original nine, and then they sort of reconfigured and added holes to make the willows and the pines. Not a long course. I think I think each nine because it's 27, it's hard for me to judge it by 18 holes. Each nine was, you know, 3,200 yards, 3,100 yards, and 30 and, and 3,000 something yards. So nothing, you know, nothing stood out as being super long, but it was actually kind of a cool match play course. I think it would have been kind of fun because there were a couple holes. Like they had a 290 yard par four. Like that's the kind of distance, that's the kind of hole that you know, you might drive, you might get there and, and that's going to, that's going to put some pressure on your opponent. So, so you played willows, pines or oaks, which ones did you play? We played all three. Okay. Okay. We played 27 that day. I did throw a couple of photos. I didn't take a lot because I'm really, really bad at that. Um, but I did throw a couple of photos up on the, up on the official MN lefters, left-handers Instagram. So Ooh. that's there. Um, we we got those logo balls, those those MN left-handers logo balls. I already lost all mine, so that's fine. I slung those things all over the course. I I mean I lost five of them at least. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we got that going for us. Hopefully, some some nice lefties find those and look us up. But um, yeah, it really really nice. The greens were legitimately some of the best greens I've played all year. So good. Course is in good shape. It it's like an hour fifteen from where I live. You know, you for for me it was go out Highway fifty five, get out to twenty three in Painesville and head west. Right, uh, you can come in from St. Cloud if you get off twenty three and just keep driving west. Really, really a pretty cool a, a pretty cool spot. I I think it's it's worth your time. I mean, especially if you've you know. If you've done all of the Brainerd and, and all of the resort courses in the in the state, and you're looking for something a little bit different, good day trip. Tell good me about trip. the round, though. I mean, directions and all this stuff. I want to know how Nate shot. We're talking about our rounds here. Oh, you know what? That's true. Because I did send you when we were chatting before, you know, kind of some pre-prep. I see that GIF. Of that lady, like, stumbling to the finish line, which was exactly what happened. You know, the first nine, I got out of the car. I was tight. It was cold. It was morning. Whatever. I think I shot, like, 45. It was not great. Uh, but I got to the second nine, and I threw up a nice 39. I was pretty happy. Things things went okay. I started to, to pull it together. I put the driver away because you don't always need the driver at that course. Like I was saying, it's a pretty short course. It's it pretty entertaining um, from that perspective. Kind of forced you, you your imagination. Uh, shot 39. Felt really, really good. Got to the last nine, which was the Oaks nine. The Oaks was our last one. I believe we went Willows, Pines, Oaks. Got to the Oaks. I made double at the first, which was not how you like to start. I think I chunked three shots in a row. Not a good start. But then over the next four, five holes, I think it's the next five holes, I was one under. So, like, I got it back through six. I think I was one over par or something like that. And then, I don't know, man. Sometimes I feel like what happens is I just get tired and I lose focus. 
and I finished six over on the last four. Like I had two doubles and a boat. Like it was it wasn't good. I finished with a forty three. But like for the middle holes, the the middle nine and the first and the next six, so fifteen holes or so, I played some really really good golf. So I'm 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 pretty enthused about that. I just got to put together a full eighteen. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that's why we're not professionals or golf in the amateur circuit. <laughs> that's true. I'm trying to find it here, but I was trying to pull up a picture of hole 13 on Riverwood. Are you familiar with hole 13 on Riverwood? Riverwood. Yes, hole 13 and I. No, 12, 12, 12, 12. Sorry, back up. 12. 12. The par three. Yes. Yes. The the. Hole 13 and I at Riverwood, we have a a hate-hate relationship. There is no love-hate relationship. There's no That does not enter the equation. But hole 12, on the other hand, is like growing on me as one of the coolest par threes out there. I really, really like it. Um, but you're pulling it up for a reason, obviously. What, yeah. What, what do you I'm trying to pull this up. Okay, so my, my round wasn't the greatest. I mean, it's it's super average for me. I managed a 48 on the front, which, as you know, the front is a little bit tougher than the back. Wasn't the greatest. Um, and then, or the yeah, the front. Uh, and then we got to the back, and uh, I started off with a, a bogey on the first hole, uh, which is straight, straight 10. And, it, okay, so not only am I about to talk about my next shot here, but... I did have the furthest drive out of our group of guys. Um, nice, I got a picture over here. So I did have a, a the farthest drive out of us. So I was pretty pretty excited about that. It took the till hole eleven to get to that point. But hole thirteen, par three. In this picture, you can't really tell, but down by these marshes here, or down by this marsh here, there is a just open water. So it's it was 172 yards from the Blues because the Blues were a little bit back. But the pin was kind of in the front uh, right here. Tee up a six iron. Just mint. As mint as it could ever be. Nice, easy, just letting the club do the work. And I just punted the thing. And I sent it probably... <sighs> It probably 120 or not 120, 175, and the thing just rolled. Um, and I landed out the backside of this bunker here. 60 foot putt, dude. Dropped it right in the pin. I was on the right on the edge of the fringe and rough. You know, that kind of hard spot to where your putter's got to go Which a little bit through the contact. rough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you kind of got to push your club through the rough a little bit and then hit down. You know, it's it was just this weird putt, and everything was just so perfect. And listening to it hit the pin and drop in. Oh, it's the best. It was cool. Because so, I, I don't have the picture up because we are not on the same screen. We're zooming here. Uh, but as I'm looking at the hole, the pin was front right. Yep. And you were sort of almost maybe even back left. No, I was back right past the, back the right. sand trap. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that means that you – it was a pretty pretty good downhill putt too. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. This, this, You're coming this over speed that was, was, was there. 
Yeah, that is a that's a heck of a putt. It was fun. It was fun. You know, we went we went crazy. Some of, there's this really nice house up here with a with a pool and stuff, and people were poking their heads over the fence, looking at what was going on. I'm sure they see a couple of hole in ones every now and again, but yeah, they're in two from 60 feet out, not having to you know not having a technical putt from the green. Yeah, it was pretty. It was it was good. In and two without a putt. So yeah, nice. Kind of nice. Yeah, but yeah, ended up finishing. Um, the back with a 46 i think it was so i mean nothing crazy for uh for a round but it was it was still good yeah that's that's pretty awesome that that that, that's the kind of stuff that brings you keeps you coming back absolutely so after the our we got to talk about uh the uh Tour Championship Week coming up. What do you got? Yeah, so I'm wondering if we don't wait on that until next week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because we're gonna we're probably gonna we're probably gonna do another one of these come Thursday or so Thursday Thursday somewhere in there we usually do, Um, and so I think next week or next episode we talk about Tour Championship because it's a Kind of it all comes down to this moment, right? Yep. Uh, the the qualified for the and that's a poor way of phrasing. I don't know what would be the best phrase, but for the for the for the Presidents Cup, those who have qualified for on the U.S. side and those who have like guaranteed qualified on the on the rest of the world side um, have been released. So so those names are out and definitely worth chatting about. Um, and then obviously some obligatory live chatter as well. I'm sure there's going to be some development. Now, one thing I want to bring up about, uh, as, as a bit of a teaser for that president's cup list of guys who are, who are like in, like these are the guys who qualified for this team. Cam Smith's on there. (laughs) He's on the list. So he's gone. If he goes to live. So we'll have to go through the rest of those names and and talk about the rumors that are sort of swirling around them to see what you think. And also maybe look a little bit at their at their pedigree. And I think it's going to prove like I've been saying, well, this our our arrangement here, our podcast is fairly new, but I've been saying it for for a year. Um, I think this President's Cup team is not the pushover that it usually is. So um, we'll go through 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 the names and through what they've won and, and the pedigree that they have, and we'll kind of talk about why I think the, that the rest of the world team uh, can can really push this American squad. So Tour Championship, President's Cup, and uh, obligatory live talk. But one thing before I think we wrap up, do you have that Rory video? Um, yes, I do. I got it up. This was, I want to say, hole fifteen. This is, this is a segment that we like to call. I don't know. Should we have that? Should we, should we have one of those things? <laughs> no. we break down by segment. Um, is golf, <laughs> is golf the cure for humanity? <laughs> yes. Um, is golf the cure for humanity? Last week was was Joel Damon caddying for his buddy. You know, doing the thing that you feel like you should do, 
Uh, just because you're a pro doesn't exempt you from, from being an all-time good guy, and Damon definitely proved that he is. Uh, this is Roy McIlroy fighting back against technology. <laughs> Here it is. Look at his face. He's like, what's going on here? He hits it away from the hole the first time. The guy brings it back. He hits it away again, keeps on hitting it, and just tosses this thing in the water. (laughs) Now, what I don't get is some fan comes onto the fringe and is just talking to him, and Rory is just not having it. He marks his ball and quick, you know, just... Just staring the guy down and doesn't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know. Eh. I Come think, on, Rory. Let that thing go in the hole. I, yeah. think <laughs> I think it's great that it happened to Rory because of who Rory has become. And we've talked about this on this podcast. If you're looking for a guy who's blunt, who's going to get right to the point, who's, yeah, I mean, it's just you don't mess with Rory right now. And this guy goes and tries to mess with Rory. Technology is not taking over the world. It's not taking over the game of golf. Get that ball out of here. It's taking a swim. Golf is saving humanity once again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rory. Thank you, Rory. Um, all right, that's all I got for, for today's episode. Hey, I can't I can't wait for the next one. Going over the, the President's Cup and... Uh, we got one more tournament left, right, for this FedEx Cup playoffs? We do, and then this podcast is going to get weird. There's going to be lots of – I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff we can talk about. You know, there's going to be lots of would-you-rathers, uh, top what ten. <laughs> um, what if this happened? What if they chose to do this instead of that? What if the PGA Tour was WWE? You know, we're going to have oh. questions like that. <laughs> And, you know, John Cena might make a special appearance on a thumbnail <laughs> one of these days. Or accompanied by Cheryl Crow and Will Zelotoris. Right. You know, you never know what you're going to get. So I know. And also, maybe I should throw that in there. Maybe next episode we'll get to our top five songs in the 90s because we did not get to that today either. Oh, it was a good episode. I appreciate it, Nate. Everything was great. Good info. Good talk. As always, just hanging out with my best boy. Yes, this was fun. Well, thank you guys for uh, giving us a listen, giving us a watch. Um, As always, subscribe to our channels. Look us up on social media. Get out there. Golf. I don't care if it's with us or with someone else. Just get out there and hit a few balls around.